Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Passing Places, my personal podcast, my personal diary about my travels around Scotland, usually by motorhome but also by motorcycle, and as you heard last week with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. I'd like to thank Myra Green for her music from her composition Passing Places, which you can check out Myra Green's website from the link on bonnytours.com. Now, first of all, apologies, this week's episode is at least a day late because the campsite uh, Wi-Fi is down. I phoned them two or three days ago before I arrived and said, I'm coming for the Wi-Fi, and they assured me that it was working. And last week's episode was recorded from the same site, so I was quite confident. And I've had no Wi-Fi since I arrived. They're now telling me that it'll be fixed for tomorrow morning, which will be Friday. So there's every chance that you'll be listening to this podcast or this episode at least a day later than I would have uh, liked. So the main topic for this week is Port Patrick. I spent the bank holiday weekend, for good and bad, down in Port Patrick. And I'll tell you all about that in the next uh, few minutes. Before we get into that, though, however, I'd like to continue what I started in last week's episode about favourite places in Scotland. A very loaded question, but some people have come back to me with their suggestions about their favourite places in Scotland. And Katrina from Oban, she's a regular contributor, she mentioned Loch Maddy, which is on the east coast of uh, North Uist. Now, when I think of Loch Maddy, I always immediately think of the ferry to Skye, but I've been there uh, in the last couple of years, and Katrina was talking about the Arch Centre, which is apparently well worth a visit. And given I have no 3G, or I can't quite uh, pull up what Katrina told me in detail, so apologies if I've missed something out, but you mentioned the fact the Arch Centre's a great place, and I think you mentioned scones, home baking, and the cafe. If I got that wrong, then I've probably made that up because that's part of my uh, checklist, my requirements when I visit places, is a good cup of tea or a good coffee. And you also mentioned Tinnebruich, down in the Kyles of Butte. And an episode, I um, can't remember the number, but when I was down in Crail with Kate and Dermot, we had a long discussion about buying a motorhome and we talked about what was the meaning of Kyle. And I now remember it's Kyle as a, a straight, a narrow, and the Kyle's of Butte is a place I've spent a fair bit of time over the last two or three years. I've got a friend of a friend who has a little cottage down in Cames, which is just a continuation of Tinnebruich, really. And I've spent quite a few nights in the Cames Hotel. I've cycled down there as well as go over on the motorbikes, and I've been over in the car and... One of the things I always remember is sitting outside the Cames Hotel watching the gannets fish. So it's a, a favourite spot and I've now identified a couple of wild camping spots just further down from Cames. If you keep going down the single track road, in fact there's a little caravan parked down there, but there's some great uh, wild camping spots if you're in your van. So thanks again Katrina for mentioning Loch Maddy and the uh, Tinnebruich and the Kyle's a beaut. Now, while we're on, Katrina's um, from Oban, and she also mentioned Mingley, which is a fantastic name for a Scottish island. It's a 
it's a small island just off of uh, south of Barra, and it's got uh, it's now totally um, uninhabited. I think the last people deserted the island in 1912, and it's run, I think, by the National Trust. But it's yet another part of Scotland that's been, in many ways, destroyed by landowners, people who treat Scotland as a toy. They buy and sell parts of Scotland and for many, many years, I think probably a thousand, two thousand years, people lived on Mingali and they they lived off of um, herring fishing and some livestock and um, seabirds was a big part of the diet. But the island was finally vacated in 1912 and it's part of the long, sad story of people being cleared from different parts of Scotland. But it's a place that you can visit. If you get over to Barra on the ferry, I'm sure you can pick up a local boat uh, charter that will take you over to Mingali for the day. It's not far off the south coast of Barra. Um, unlike St Kilda, which is another very sad um, tale in Scotland's history, which is a long, long journey, but... Mingali would give you some sense of living on a remote Scottish island. So if you ever get to Barra, have a think about nipping over to Mingali. And while we're talking about Katrina from Oban, let's bring in Mark LaRue, who lives in Long Beach, California. And Mark mentioned two places that were favourites of his in Scotland. One was Castleton, which is a small village down in the borders, very near the border with England. And I have to say, I genuinely don't think I've ever been in Castleton. So I've been online and I've tried to get a sense of the place. I know quite a few places around the area and I've been through on my bike last year on a trip down to Yorkshire and I've done quite a bit of work down in the borders, but I don't think I've ever been to Castleton. So this week's episode is mainly about Port Patrick and Fries and Galloway, but the borders uh, is a place I need to revisit and get an episode or two online because it's like Dumfries and Galloway, one of these hidden gems in Scotland. Most people make the rapid route north to get to the Highlands, but if you do visit Scotland, don't rule out the borders, don't rule out Dumfries and Galloway. And Mark also mentioned one of his favourite places is Oban. And a little thought in my mind was, I'm sure Katrina, who lives in Oban, might be interested in a house swap because most of us have heard of Long Beach, California. So a little bit of matchmaking there. So Mark, get in touch with Katrina if you're looking for a guide in Oban. And as you both know, and you keep saying Oban is the gateway to the islands. It's a very busy, bustling town in the summer. But it's the main hub for getting out, getting out to Mull and off to Tyree and all the other islands in the uh, inner and outer Hebrides. So Oban is on my list and I'm hoping to catch up with Katrina in the next uh, few weeks or the next month before I head off to France. Now John McDermott, who is on Facebook, mentioned the bridge in Glencoe Village. Now, I have a particular memory of that bridge. I lived in kind of Leaven for a year or so and normally I used to go to work along the north side of the lock and come back on the south side just for a bit of variety. So if you travel up through Glencoe and you come to the Balahulish Bridge, 
take that uh, detour. Before the bridge was built, it was a ferry, but take your take a right and go right down to Kinlochleven and round the lock and back up. It's a quite long detour, but the scenery on a good day is fantastic. And that little bridge on the south side that goes over from Glencoe Village, I was driving over there many years ago and a little white escort van was in front of me and I can still remember it vividly. And the passenger rolled down the window and he threw out the equivalent in today's terms of a McDonald's takeaway. And he deliberately, the van slowed down, he chucked it over the bridge and at the river. And I'm sure, John, that that, uh, you know, you're probably, you know the bridge and the river. It just annoyed me so much, I'll never forget that day. And I never thought at that time of taking his registration number, whatever, but I was appalled. But it's a fantastic location, Glencoe Village. The views in Loch Leven, the views out to the mountains, the views down Loch Leven to the Mamors is just fantastic. And the Southside Road is a high-level road and there's a couple of um, caravan campsite options on the way down. So I'd thoroughly recommend that. So John, thanks for your uh, comment. And I noticed on Facebook that you have a Jack Russell as well as another dog. So maybe one day we'll catch up and skid can have a good bit of fun with uh, both your dogs. Now, another uh, comment on Facebook was from Mary um, Adzima, 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 and she mentioned Fort Augustus. Now, I worked in Fort William for a number of years, and I used to rent because I had a house up in, in Tain near the Dormac Firth. And I used to travel up and down every day, and then when I was working my um, boss and headquarters was in Inverness so I travelled up and down the 82 up the Great Glen on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day and the Great Glen is what we call the Highland Fault it's a major uh, feature in the landscape of Scotland so let's uh, mention if you start at Fort William and you look at the Caledonian Canal which uses the natural split in the landscape and if you start at Banavay, there's a fantastic set of um, locks, lock gates that uh, step you up to the canal level. It's a Neptune staircase. And then you travel along the canal to Banavay and you end up in, I might get this wrong, but you end up in Loch Lochy. And then you travel on to Loch um, Oich and then you end up in Loch Ness. So if you want to charter a boat, you can hire a motor um, motorboat for the week and go up and down the Caledonian Canal from Inverness down to Banavy. You can canoe the canal, you can cycle what we call the Great Glen Walk, the Great Glen Way. You can walk, obviously, because it's a walk. You can, in fact, the, the least, uh, the poorest option is to drive because the 82 is always really, really busy. So, uh, particularly during the summer, it's uh, chock a block with people like me and motorhomes and um, big tourist buses, but people are drawn to Loch Ness because of the myth of the Loch Ness Monster. And one of the, apparently the best places to catch a sight of Nessie is at uh, Urquhart Castle. In some ways that's not uh, unsurprising because it's the most popular stop-off point on the loch. It's now a major visitor attraction, there's all sorts of uh, traffic jams to get in and 
it's a very very busy place in the middle of summer so if you want to try your hand at catching up with Nessie then drop off at Urquhart Castle and then drop into Drum's Rocket and you'll get the chance to look round the official museum for the Loch Ness Monster and I think nearby is the unofficial museum of the Loch Ness Monster. Now that might have changed over recent years but that was my recollection. But a little tip if you want to avoid, if you're fed up with the traffic by then, swing a left at Drum the Drocket and take the back road over to Bewley. Avoid the whole Inverness um, city as it is now, fiasco in terms of traffic and pick up the road over the back through Canick. No, I might have that wrong. But over the back road to Bewley and you can skip your way up through Bewley to uh, Dingwall and beyond. So that's my little tip. I've got no internet so I'm I'm winging it here in terms of what I'm telling you. So who else do I need to mention before I can get into the, the meat and the sandwich? Uh, CT, um, who is on Twitter, and I'm Campbell Troop is his name, I'm sure. He asked me uh, about my email address, and I keep forgetting to mention this in the podcast, but if you want to get in touch by email, then you can email feedback at bonnytours.com. Feedback at bonnytours.com. So on Friday I picked my daughter up from school and we headed down from Glasgow to Port Patrick and it's a fair it's a fair old uh, distance in the in the motorhome or even a car so it's uh, probably best part of three hours and we pitched up on a on a fantastic little pitch. I've been down to Port Patrick before and I phoned up this campsite and said, Can I have these pitches that look over to uh, Dunsky Castle, which is a ruin, and look straight over to Belfast in Ireland. And we've got both pitches, the ones I wanted. And Katie and Dermot, who I've spent the last three or four weekends with, turned up as well. And we were really lucky that we had some good weather. And on the Saturday, we walked along the coastal cliff path to Port Patrick, spent maybe an hour in the village did what most people do. We had our uh, chips and we had our ice cream and we wandered around and uh, I think Port Patrick's a great little place to visit. And when we came back, the, the view from the from the motorhome or from that site, you can see right over to Ireland, you can see the mainland and in the evening when the sky is clear, you can see the, the sweep of the lighthouses as they track from Belfast Loch and you can see all the horrible fluorescent uh, orange lighting from Northern Ireland. And right in front of us was the ruin of Dunsky Castle. And like I said earlier on, Scotland is just checkered with these dreadful stories of um, people with money who buy parts of our culture, parts of our land and either leave them to rack and ruin or uh, abuse their privilege as the landowner. Whilst Port Patrick, it's only 21 miles from Ireland, had a natural sandy beach and they built the harbour walls to allow the fishermen to fish 
from Port Patrick. It was finally overtaken by Stranraer on uh, Loch Ryan, or Ryan Loch, around about the 1860s when the harbour, the main harbour was switched to Stranraer. But one of the things that, that struck me, and again it's part of the loss of infrastructure in Scotland, was the Port Patrick used to have regular train services to Glasgow. It seems uh, crazy, but there was a regular train service to Glasgow, and I think the final train out of Port Patrick was only going to Stranraer, and it all ended in 1950. And when we were walking along the the cliff top walk, we passed one of the railway cuttings, and it just struck me as uh, another example of the maybe the inevitable change in how people are living these days, but Port Patrick used to be connected in a real sense to the rest of Scotland and now it's turned into a bit of a tourist um, location. So that was uh, a great pitch to have on, on the, was it the Sunday? And this is where Bank Holiday comes in. We went down to the Muller Galloway, which is, again I was down there last year and we headed down in my van, all four of us, and we arrived at the lighthouse right at the end of the road and there's a really nice cafe there which has been built into the hillside and you can climb up to the top of the lighthouse and have a look around and there's a guide at the top. Now here's the, here's the rub. The lighthouse is only open at weekends and bank holiday weekends and I try and avoid crowds like the plague and we ended up in the cafe now. If you go down there during the week, if you're lucky enough not to be working or on holiday, then you'll have a great time. But I'll just play you a little bit of audio as to what was going on in the cafe. And it's probably typical of lots of cafes and it's why I try and avoid these places because of the noise. But you'll hear lots of kids. You know, and kids are great, but you hear the noise and the and the... And it really is one of these subconscious things that you don't notice, but when you actually put on a recorder, you realise how loud these places are. And the kids in this cafe turned out to be the same ones that accompanied us up the lighthouse, and you'll hear that uh, a bit later on. So here's a quick taster of what uh, a bank holiday cafe sounds like. So we got out of the cafe in one piece, and it was it was it was a pleasant uh, fifteen minutes in many ways in terms of the coffee and the cakes. And we wandered up to the lighthouse, and it was quite windy. And we paid our two fifty pound two fifty each, and we got to the lighthouse. And there's a walkie-talkie system from the office to the guide at the top. And. The woman in the office said, if you wait at the bottom until the four people who are up there come down. And we hung around and we hung around and we hung around. And eventually uh, we decided that uh, the other four had left. And as we headed up 
the same children that you heard and their parents in the cafe came right in behind us and the next 15-20 minutes and I'll play a little couple of bits of audio which have been totally destroyed by these kids having a great time on their bank holiday weekend so live and let live um, this sounds like a swimming pool at uh, Blackpool so I'll let you hear a little couple of bits of audio And was the glass, was it brought in during construction or could it yeah, bits be brought through like, the stairs? Yeah, it's all, all in pieces, right. like sections. It's a great view. Man, well, man, you see the hill there, look. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You see the, uh, see the Mac is? Yeah. We're ahead. The scares is suddenly coming into focus. Where's the nearest light from here? Uh, nearest, Port Patrick. Right. And you can... I don't know, I'll cram a head. Okay. Cram a keg before you get to before you get to Port Logan. Going that way before you get to Port Logan, just cram a keg. That's the first one. And can you see Ireland from here as well? <laughs> you can on the good day. Yesterday you could see it really clearly apparently that direction. Mm -hmm. Can't see it today. me just coming back down from the lighthouse, that was quite an experience, a bit too exposed for me in the top, but apart from the screaming kids that was quite interesting. So I'm sure the kids enjoyed themselves and we still managed to get quite a lot from the experience. The weather was was good, the views from the top were great and I'm sure I'll go back down there. I've been there hit twice in two years but I'm sure I'll go back down to the Mull of Galloway. Now Dumfries and Galloway itself is a fantastic location. You really need to 
think about visiting Dumfries and Galloway. Most people know the Lake District and Dumfries and Galloway isn't that much further if you're coming from the south and it's nearer if you're coming from Scotland. And whilst the hills aren't quite as uh, jagged or spectacular as some of the hills and the lakes, and there's certainly less uh, locks than there are in the Lake District, the hills, the vibrant little towns, the coastline is fantastic. Some of the villages are great. Um, some of them have reinvented themselves, like Wigton, the book town. There's so much to do in Dumfries and Galloway. It's a great place for uh, mountain biking, all sorts of fantastic mountain biking trails. And it's Scotland's first and one of the few uh, dark sky locations in the world at the moment. And there's a brand new observatory being built just uh, in the Galloway Forest. And I was down there last year, probably around June time, which is a bad time to go if you're looking for dark skies because it only gets dark for four or five hours, but Dumfries and Galloway is a fantastic place to visit. Now, Mark was talking about uh, Castleton, which is a small village in the border country. The border reavers springs to mind, but it's a place, if I'm honest, I've never been, and I really need to spend some time in the borders. And Mark, you've you've prompted me to get down there in the next few weeks and record uh, an episode of Passing Places. Uh, I checked with you on Facebook and you reminded me that the Hermitage Castle is the castle just outside Castleton. Skiddy's, skid boys, that's skid's recording noise. Give himself a good shake. I get Skid peering at me now. Good morning, Skid. And how are you? Hey, you a good boy? You getting cold on the floor? You getting cold on the floor? Are you? Getting cold on the floor, are you? What? What? What is it? Hello. Oh, Skid, what are you up to? What are you staring at? Got Skid here up on two legs up in the bed and he's staring straight in my face. I can just see him in the semi-darkness. And that's him asking to get up on the bed because he's he's, co he's cold. <laughs> it gets a bit cold in the floor. And uh, the stars are out so that's that's the two things that tell me the temperature's dropped. That skid is not happy in the floor. And the, <laughs> and the stars are out. It must be um, three, I'm looking at the sky, maybe two, three, three o'clock in the morning because uh, that's the only time it's truly dark and this happens occasionally, I'll just line up and then suddenly I get this uh, nuzzle in the face and it's skid, he's he's just ran down to the bottom of the bed and he's, he's now he's back up at the top and he's basically saying can I go down to the bottom of the bed and, and lie at the 
at your feet on the duvet and uh, it's impossible to resist because when you put your hand down on the floor the van's reasonably well insulated and has a carpet but the, the temperature does drop on the floor and <laughs> he's getting hyper now I'm going to buy him a, a new bed especially for the for the van so he's got his own blankets and he's got his own basket but we'll do that for after the summer because we're uh, we're off to France this this summer so it's going to be roasting but I think for next season or for the winter we'll get him his proper bed so he's, he's actually very good he knows he's not allowed in the bed normally but uh, he's he's a character he's, he's I mean he's all over me than I jumped up and down what is it hmm? what what do you want He's way down the bottom of the bed again. Still on the floor. <laughs> so he's impossible to say no to. And the only other option is to put the fire on. And if you put the fire on, within 10 minutes he's lying down by the fire. So he must be cold. So skid. Yeah, come. Come on. Up you get. Come on, up. Up you come. You see, he makes all that noise and fuss about getting on the bed, and then when you when you give him the command, which is the snapping the fingers to come up, that's him up. He thinks twice about it because he knows he's not allowed in the bed normally. So he's now way down, lying by my... Lie down. This is what doesn't work about this arrangement. He, he'll continually lie on top of my feet and I have to push him off and then five minutes later he's lying across my feet again. So, what's the joys of one man and his dog in a van? Every hour today, Mark Stephen from Out of Doors has been bringing us a one-minute guide to birdsong. Fascinating stuff, but does birdsong really matter in our hectic lives? Does it affect our mood? Can it make us happy? Well, the other half of our Out of Doors team, Ewan McElraith, has the answers. Blackbirds calling on a Scottish spring afternoon. Beautiful, relaxing and enhancing any outdoor experience. I just finally to remind you that Andy Murray will use in second round action today at the Madrid Open. Oh, good morning. It's a fantastic morning on Loch Lomond side. I've got the radio on purely to charge my iPhone. Okay, well, listen out for that. Through the USB port. Go and listen to this. Close eastbound at the A761 Linwood is because of a collision earlier this morning. You will have to divert, though it is heavy on the A761 Canal Street eastbound at Causey Side Street. That's part of the diversion. I'm also told it's slow westbound as folks slow down to take a look at the scene of the accident. Cowdenbeath, one lane of the A92 is blocked westbound between Bridge Street in Cowdenbeath and the M90 at Junction 2A Crossgate. So the police are en route to that one. Slow on the M8 eastbound between Junction 3A Bathgate and 1 Hermiston Gate. Travel time is about 10 minutes.
This is what I love, is when I'm away and I don't have to listen to the traffic report normally and I don't have to participate in the traffic jams. So, yeah, nose to tail. We're sitting in a, a lovely, quiet lay-by in Loch Lomond, although the main A82 is going to get busy as the day goes on. And the sun is splitting the sky. Now, if memory serves me right, there should be the weather report just after this too. And then we'll switch the radio and we'll turn it down even though the phone is charging. We've been talking about birdsong this morning. Charlie says he awoke at 5.20 this morning in the Queen's Cross area of Aberdeen. Lovely sunny morning, but he was woken by the screeching of seagulls. Well, birdsong comes in all kinds of forms, I suppose, Charlie. We're playing birdsong because uh, we're trying to mark the beginning of spring, and Julian Smart is here, and it certainly feels spring-like for most of us. Yes, indeed, Gary, and a cracking day of weather to come for the bulk of the country. Dry, sunny, and warm, and temperatures for most will reach 18 to 20 Excellent. Celsius. A few well-sheltered spots like inland Murray, northern Aberdeenshire, and the Glasgow area will see 22 Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. The east coast will be cooler as the southeasterly breeze picks up, so closer to 13 Celsius here, and only 12 for Shetland, and in fact, the northern isles will hold on to mistier, murkier conditions for much of the day. For the western isles, it's a drizzly start, but we should see that clearing and things improving here. Later in the afternoon, we can't rule out a few heavy showers over the mainland, most likely over the southern uplands and the northwest highlands, but do make the most of today because tomorrow it's all change. Showery outbreaks of rain pushing in across central and southern Scotland during the day. BBC Radio Scotland Weather. Well, there you have it. That's the weather forecast. It's obviously going to be a gorgeous day today. And I came up from Port Patrick yesterday, dropped my daughter off, and uh, I've driven on up to the side of Loch Lomond just to put my head down for a few hours. But I think now, if you excuse me while I sit down for a second, Now I think I'll probably head over to the other side of Loch Lomond to Malarkey Bay where I was last week and I'll sit in the sunshine for the day and record the podcast because my alternative plan was to drive up to either um, either of the two sites that have good Wi-Fi up on the top of the Mullerkin Tire so that was either Mosdale or the name of the place now. Anyway, both those sites are a good um, three-hour drive from here, so I would probably waste half the day driving, so I'm going to take the easy option and go half an hour around to um, Malarkey Bay and spend the day there. My head is still a bit fuzzy after I'm not long up out of bed. The other place is called Silver Sands. Now, I've got the kettle on and I've just got the um, audio recorder hanging from the ceiling. And one of the things that I love most mornings, believe it or not, is a, a, an absolute iconic Scottish dish <laughs> which is called Square Slice Sausage. And here's a thing that's really annoying me. I avoid supermarkets as best I can most of the time. And down in Stranraer, we picked up 
It was either one of these little or Aldi stores. I'm, I'm never sure which one's which. But we picked up a carton of what they call Scottish recipe lorn, and which I would call lorn is another word for square slice. And we picked up two two cartons or two trays, both with four slices each. And it was absolutely awful. I think one mouthful, and I, th I threw the first carton out. So. This second carton's going in the bin as well. But in Balak on the way up I stopped off and again it was the co-op rather than a butcher's. You should ideally buy your square slice at a butcher's. And I bought a pack of premium steak lorn. So you've got Scottish recipe lorn and you've got premium steak lorn. And just turning the packs over, the absolutely awful, dreadful oh, stuff that I bought in Stranraer. Ingredients, the main ingredient, because they're listed normally in order of uh, percentages, the main ingredient is water. The second ingredient is pork, that's the meat element of the sausage. And square slice is, is a beef sausage, it's not a pork sausage. So pork, 26%. Wheat flour, beef, 6%. So you've got a, a sausage that's made up of all sorts of stuff, it's just absolutely disgusting. Uh, beef fat, pork rind, pork starch, salt, pork fat, dextrose, beef, connective tissue. <sighs> Just dreadful. So that's going in the bin. But as I say, 26% pork, 6% beef and mainly water with a pile of scraps off the floor and various uh, emulsifiers and preservatives and colourings and oh, now the Premium steak, Lorne, I've yet to try. Uh, I hope is going to be somewhat better. It starts off with beef as the main ingredient, 75% beef. So you don't have to go much further. It's got a few uh, preservatives and things in it as well, so it's far from the real McCoy. But 75% beef in one and 6% beef in the other one. Uh, and it, it goes as far as calling it steak lorn so under some European directive presumably if beef's above a certain level you can call it steak although a square slice looks nothing like a steak we call it square slice because it's flat and approximately square unlike most sausages which roll around in the pan you fry these either side for uh, five or ten minutes and it's part of our almost our staple diet in Scotland or certainly mine so I'm looking forward to my premium steak lorn and on the way over to Loch Lomond, I've got no butcher that I can... Well, I've got enough anyway. I won't be having it tomorrow. But uh, I like to get my square slice at a butcher's if I can. So the kettle's just boiled. The sun is absolutely amazing. I think that uh, weather forecast they have, the temperature's going to get into the 70s, which is... Scottish terms a heat wave almost. So that's brilliant. So millions of people must have listened to the podcast because everybody on the news is talking about birdsong. So my recording the Don Chorus and Arica seems to be causing a stir nationwide.
So thanks for listening. And uh, as I say, this is almost a episode of Passing Places Uncut because I'm sitting here having a, a glass of wine or two. But uh, I really do appreciate the fact that you're listening. The podcast is doing very well in terms of the downloads. I'm conscious that people are a bit uh, shy about coming forward, but I'm getting enough feedback from people on Facebook and Twitter, and I really do like the voicemail feedback. I forgot to mention that uh, Joy Boothby, who was the, remember back to an earlier episode, she sent me the goodie bag from America, including the Tootsie Roll, and she's been trying to master the um, speak pipe voicemail on my website. So, Joy, don't uh, don't fret, don't worry about the technology. I know from our exchanges on Facebook that your favourite place in Scotland, and I guess here, but your favourite place is going to be your your landing spot, whether it's uh, Glasgow Airport, Edinburgh Airport, or whether you turn up by submarine on some. Uh, quite uh, part of our coastline, but that'll be your first and favourite part of Scotland until you get to explore the hinterland, so I hope one day you'll get over to Scotland soon. So I'll sign off now and keep in touch with the podcast. You can catch up with me on Twitter at Bonnie Tours. You can find me on my website at bonnietours.com and if you nip on to Facebook and type into the search box um, Passing Places podcast you'll also find me there and I really do hope that you find some time in your busy schedule to travel around Scotland and perhaps we will bump into each other at some point in the near future in the meantime stay safe and I'll play you out with uh, Mary Green's Passing Places music thanks <laughs>